Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Or if you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, First, I want to say thank y'all for letting me process last week. Um, last week's episode entitled Buffalo was me literally sitting with the gravity of all of the things that have happened um all of those terrible incidents that unfortunately we don't talk enough about in our country um you know we'll we would rather remember the Alamo but then nobody wants to talk about Tulsa or Eufaula or now Buffalo um and it's really heartbreaking it's hard um But thank you guys for sitting with me in that um, and letting me navigate that space. I really, really appreciate you guys. Secondly, um, I would like to dedicate this episode to Miss Mary Chambers. Miss Mary Chambers was an incredible woman um, who recently passed. Uh, She's my husband's grandmother. Delightful, hilarious, faithful, just just a good person um, who went to be with the Lord a few days ago. So um, I would like to dedicate this episode to in her memory. Um, and I'm sending love to my family and love. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where we're starting. Um, also, let me just say, if I ever needed riders, in my life is y'all y'all are so dope um and so incredibly supportive um i posted maybe a few days ago about my recent big piece that got into insider um where i talk about why it's important to see yourself in in literature why that representation matters why my daughter having it is healing to me And so many of you guys reached out with beautiful, kind words and told me that you're sharing it with a slew of people and that more people need to see it. And it's just, oh, that just means the world to me. But really and truly, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you guys have read it, that you like it, that it resonates with you, um, that it maybe brought up some questions and the issues that you may not have thought of. um, And that, that is, that is amazing to me. So thank y'all. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. All right, now for what you came to hear. Let's um let's dive into this week's episode which uh in light of a few episodes is rather light, but we still have issues to talk about. So let's get to it. Let's get to these church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here, say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We glad that y'all here today and These will be your church announcements. Hi, hello. Come on in. Have a seat. Let's chat. Let's talk it up. It's time for the church announcements. So let's get right to it. Let's get to this Vanity Fair article that I recently saw where the headline reads, and I quote, Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy, our maternal death rates are only bad if you count black women. I was like, there's no way 
anyone in the year of our Lord 2022 would let such a statement fall from their mouth. Uh, uh, there's n- <sighs> finishing the article in an interview with Politico. The words came out of Cassidy's mouth. About a third of our population is African-American. African-Americans have higher incidence of maternal mortality. So if you correct our population for race, we're not as much of an outlier as it otherwise appear. Now, I say that not to minimize the issue, but to focus the issue as to where it would be. For whatever reason, people of color have higher incidences of maternal mortality. Oh, oh, okay, Bill, what do you plan to do about that as an elected official? You said a third of your state is African-American, is black people. And um, so you know that, you know that they, that a third of your state is black people. A lot of those people are birthing people. And a lot of those birthing people have higher incidence of mortality either during the time of birth or shortly after related to birth. And you mean to tell me that like, rather than, you know, you say you want to focus on the issue. So what, what is, what is being done about the issue, Bill? You're, you're, you're an elected official. This is what you get elected to do. Fix the problems. See, I, I think we forgot that the reason why we elected people to go to these 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 high seats and high places is so they can fix the problems so here is the problem a third of your state is facing and rather than saying and here is my plan to fix it you say you know it's our maternal death rate in the state is not bad if you just don't count the black women so i'm waiting to hear (laughs) A further like follow up to see what Bill Cassidy, Senator Bill Cassidy, is planning on doing um, in Louisiana. I know my best friend is probably going to send me something, a text or some type of notification to let me know that either a Bill Cassidy is trash, or b Bill Cassidy is doing something, and I need to eat these words. Um, either way, bestie, I'm good. <laughs> either way, you let me you let me know where I should stand on this issue. Um, because she is currently in Louisiana and is a wonderful doctor. Um, Shout out to her. Uh, Moving along. So I'm reading from, and I don't normally do this in this particular segment, but I'm reading from a tweet thread by one Brian Tyler Cohen. Um, You can find him at that same name on Twitter. And he tweeted the following. He said the House votes 414 to 9 in favor of a bill ensuring access to baby formula uh, with low-income women, infants, and children (WIC) um, benefits during the during the um, formula shortage. You could guess who some of the no votes were. All of the no votes, in fact, were Republicans, and include. Come on, you got a guess? I know you. I know you have a guess. I know you have a guess. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Massey, Gozer. I don't know who Gomert is, but he can, or she, or they can kick rocks. Gates and Bobart. 
<sighs> Why would you vote against low-income folks getting assistance during the formula shortage? Oh, but it gets better. Um, so the same, the very same day that Republicans held a press conference blaming President Biden for the baby formula shortage, which if you've been paying attention, there were several articles that re that came out that recently resurfaced. Um, but at the time they came out in 2018 when President Biden wasn't president. You know who was president? That other dude. And because of some trade deals that he was either making or breaking, the articles say in in the um in their headlines that baby food was going um, baby food and baby formula were going to be the sacrificial lambs of these trade deals. And here we are in 2022, four years later. Guess what? We're having a formula shortage, but it's President Biden's fault, just like gas prices, even though gas prices are high all over the world. But President Biden is only the, the president of this country. Y'all don't know how geopolitics and stuff like that works. And when you, when you say stuff like that, you're just basically saying, say, I don't understand how any of this stuff works, but I just need somebody to blame. Got it. Cool. Back to the Republicans. On the same day, the Republicans were holding a press conference blaming President Biden for the baby food, um, baby formula shortage. They voted against a bill that would ensure access to baby formula amid the shortage. That is right. One hundred and 92 Republicans voted against a $28 million bill that would assist ending the baby food. I mean, the baby formula. I don't know why I keep saying baby food. Maybe because my baby's on food. She was on formula for a while. She was on formula until she was literally a year old. So I get it. Like we, 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 um, we combo fed. So she was getting breastfed and formula fed. Um, which if you didn't know that you could do that, hi, I didn't know that we could do that until literally after she was born. Um, <laughs> and a few nurses told me like, yeah, it's not, it's not bad. You know, as long as you get the right formula for the little tummies, it should be fine. Um, but yeah, it's wild. Like on one hand, you're blaming the president for whatever you think, how, however you think that he's somehow involved in this and somehow messed it up and then on the other hand you vote against a bill that would help end the shortage like which is it is it Uchiwali or is it one mic you gotta pick you know it can't be it's all President Biden's fault and then when you have the opportunity to when you have the opportunity to fix it you say nah we're not gonna well, what well, then what's the point what's the point you're forcing all these people to have babies trying to end, you know, reproductive rights, um, which won't end abortion, by the way. It'll only end safe abortions. Um, but y'all want to live? You know, I always wondered, and this, this is a side note, I always wonder what happened in the dark ages. It's like there was all this, like, you know, education and, you know, it's just so much intelligence and philosophy 
and the people had their f different faiths were in operation and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden the dark ages. And that's why I feel like America is about to enter if these folks get in power, the dark ages, because y'all are just not j just literally just taking steps backward, like regression, not progress, not progression, regression. Unbelievable. Just, just backwood, backwater, backward people. <clears throat> And that formula shortage, shout out to anyone who's having troubles. Um, I want to shout out Dr. Ayla Stanford for um, here in Philly, who she and a slew of other folks, other doctors. Um, if you don't know Dr. Stanford, she is um, the creator of the COVID Doctors Consortium here in Philadelphia. And she made sure that her community was getting all of the resources, um, and, you know, all of the, all their questions answered around um, the COVID vaccines and stuff like that. Because va vaccine hesitancy for black folks is very different than vaccine hesitancy for a lot of other folks. I'm not going to say everybody because I know that we're not alone or exclusive in our experience. But I'm going to say our vaccine hesitancy. It's not because we're crunchy moms who like don't want to vaccine vaccinate our kids. Um it's not that type of thing. It's vaccine hesitancy because of what happened with like the Tuskegee experiment and how modern gynecology was created, you know, by using little black girls, enslaved black girls um, that were essentially tortured to death um, by J. Marion Sims. Um, you can look it up. I'm not making it up. People have were people have been treating black people horrible. Um, and using us as guinea pigs and science experiments since forever. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of vaccine he hesitancy around that. And Dr. Stanford really helped out with that. But she, I saw on Instagram, she recently purchased with a, with the assistance of a lot of other people, um, a lot of baby formula to distribute for free here in the city. And I keep seeing incidents like that, um, not like she's like out, not like these folks are out, like trying to brag and try to say like, Hey, look what I did. But you know, they're posting like saying, Hey, if you need assistance, we're here. Like we got you. Um, and that means everything, everything during these times. Um, you know, see, look, people actually solving the problems, unlike, you know, Senator Bill Cassidy and whoever decided to vote against helping people in the formula crisis. Speaking of people solving problems, let's talk about Meghan Markle because I like her. Um, I don't know if y'all know that this is a Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle stan account. In all seriousness, there's a lot to admire about our good sis, Meghan the Duchess. But this week, Meghan spoke out on the behalf of working moms. Uh, her and Prince Harry's company, Archwell, has announced support for the National Business Coalition for Child Care Initiative, um, organized by Marshall Plan, Marshall Plan for Moms. Families, at, sorry, let me start over. Families everywhere, <laughs> especially working moms, are asked to shoulder so much, she said in a recent press release. This has only been heightened by the pandemic, which increased caregiving responsibilities, rising prices, and economic uncertainty. As it has been said many times, it takes a village to raise a child. Today, we are sending a message that childcare isn't just a community imperative. It's a business imperative. 
Creating a stronger workforce starts with meeting the needs of families. She has also voiced her support for paid family leave, which we should all have. Just, I'm just saying, you want us to have all these babies. Make sure, you know, we can afford them. But of course you don't care about us affording them because y'all only want to stand up for the children until they're born. <laughs> and then that's it. We don't care about them anymore. Um, but people like Meghan Markle do. She said paid family leave should be a national right rather than a patchwork option limited to those whose employers have policies in place or those who live in one of the few states where the leave program exists. Um, if we're going to create a new era of family first policies, let's make sure that it includes a strong pa paid, fa um, paid family leave program for every American that is guaranteed accessible and encouraged without stigma or penalty. In a time with so much uncertainty and animosity, she signed off by saying her stance isn't about right or left. It's about right and wrong. And honestly, that'll preach. <laughs> that'll preach. Side note, did y'all know that Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle currently give free um, child care to their own employees? Like this lit. That's so dope. Like you don't have to worry about child care. And it's probably like really good child care because, you know, this is Duke and Duchess. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, they're not just grabbing a 12 year old down the street and like, hey, watch these kids. Mm -mm. Um, so shout out to Meghan Markle. Um, shout out to Dr. Stanford. Shout out to everybody who is doing the work and solving the problems that apparently a bunch of elected officials simply do not want to. It's just it's so strange. I can't imagine being a Republican right now and like sitting and seeing a mounting problems. And it's not, it's not Democrat or Republican problems. It's American problems. So American Americans can't afford one bedroom homes because you know, the daggone minimum wage has been $7 and 25 cents for like 30 damn years. Um, Americans can't afford, and we have a lot of food instability. Uh, Americans have economic instability. Americans have concerns about childcare and education. And rather than doing the work of like creating bills and creating legislation and solving issues and solving problems, they're just going to be like, nah, no, we're just going to be hating ass bitches. <laughs> we're just literally just going to be hating, hating over here. Just, you know, glaring at the Democrats trying to work with us, which Democrats, I don't know why. The friggin' Republicans have shown you who they are. Believe them. While you have the majority, use it. Use it to your advantage. Um, get some of these laws into play. Um, and yeah, y'all. I'm just trying to say. Let's just... As Spike Lee said, do the right thing. All right. That is it for the church announcements. Um, I have a special segment coming up next that I'm really, really excited about. I had the opportunity to speak with two of the characters from Hairspray. Hairspray just stopped by Philly. Uh, at the time of this recording, the last show has already uh, graced our stages and they are headed out to their next destination. But I had a great time sitting with fellow amazing 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 bloggers <laughs> um 
Tamika Talks and Latoy Star. So I'm super excited to share this interview that we had as a cool roundtable. Um, and yeah, this is going to be great. I'm really excited. Cannot wait for you guys to hear. So yeah, let's get to it. Now, <laughs> as we complain about the tech, we have the tech. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all can get started. All right. Um, yes, wonderful. So I'll, I'll start. And I just want to thank you both for being on here with us. Um, excited about this interview, exciting to see this production, and really just exciting for the roles that you are playing in this and kind of what it means and, you know, diversity and just the lack of that we had been seeing. To see your beautiful brown faces is absolutely amazing. So my first question is really, how are you feeling about the show and what do you want people to get from it? You want to go first? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as how I'm feeling about the show, I'm having a great time. You know, I joined the cast kind of late. Um, they had already been on the road for quite a few months. Um, but the adjustment has been great. I love the story. I love my track. I love the music I get to sing. I would say um, as far as what I want the audience to take away, you know, um, Hairspray is a legendary musical. It's won many awards. You know, it's highly acclaimed. Everybody knows Hairspray, you know. Um, but I feel like sometimes the message, the core message for me um, is lost in the storytelling or is lost in the hype of the show. Um, it, if, if it's, mm, let me see, try to figure out how I want to say it. Um, depending on who's telling the story, um, it can be masked. The, the true essence, the true story can be lost. Um, I just want me as an African-American woman in this industry, I want them to see the struggles that my people went, went through at that time and to see how um, the story shows us as Black people overcoming. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show, but um, Motormouth, the track that I play, um, she is uh, a Black woman on an all-white uh, television show and she only gets one day a week but when they get one day one day a month excuse me when they get one day a month they show out for that one you know negro day is the day you know so i i just i want them to see how far we had to come at that time those type of struggles uh, were real you know so i want even though the the mess the music is great the dancing is great the costumes like i said in previous interviews it's all great it's fun we look great up there we're having a good time but i want the audience to leave with the message of like i said what we went through how we overcame acceptance of black people acceptance of of all body types you know tracy's a thick girl motor mouth is a thick girl etna is a thick girl you know and we should all be inclusive and accepting of each other you know so yeah <laughs> I, I love I love all of that as a plus size thick girl. Hey. I love, I love it. Yes. <laughs> it. yes. Yes. How is it? How are you able to prepare for this role? Because you're coming into, I mean, we're gonna see like the facets of black people in this space. How are you able to prepare? Like that's like one of my burning questions. How are you able to prepare for this? Um their preparation is a lot different. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna let them go first because well, they do a lot more dancing. So I'm gonna let them go, I'm honestly, let them go first. One thing that I will say about Seaweed specifically is it's one of those roles where because he is so close to me, like there's a lot of similarities there. You know, I'm a young black man in America. So it's it's very much so a lot of similarities there. So I have to make sure that I separate myself, Jamonte, from 
the character because it does take place in the 60s. So simple things as reactions, you know, I got to remember that I can't judge the character and I can't judge the story as myself. So right. a lot of times I have to just take a moment and just remember, Jamonte, you are not seaweed and you are not in the 60s. You are not in 1962. So make sure that when you go on that stage, you're going, because it has to be new every night. You know, you have to make sure that you're coming with a fresh energy. So I make sure that I take the, have the time carved out to be able to get in my mind and, and really just like decompress from that day. And because things happen in our real lives, you know, and sometimes it is hard as a performer to, to be on stage and to hear things being said to you or, you know, Negro day, you know, we don't, mm -hmm. you, we don't say these things in, in 2022. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, get a little, it can get a little bit personal, <laughs> you know, you're like, whoa, but it really does. It really makes a difference to separate yourself from the character. And as far as physically, because this show is very physically demanding. That's why I was like, I'm letting, letting him tell y'all. <laughs> I, I, I definitely do a lot of cardio beforehand. And I just like try to pump myself up because there's a lot of onstage physical intense cardio. And then we'll off, we're offstage and it's like breathing. Pouring sweat. Pour, <laughs> still sweating, but you're calm. And you're like, okay, you have a little moment, but you have to kind of keep that adrenaline up. Because mm -hmm. one thing that's not good for your body to, to be at full capacity and then at a resting yeah. state and then full capacity so i i make sure that i'm you know running and i'm doing jumping jacks and i'm doing the moves backstage just to kind of get it in my body um so yeah it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of pre pre-work that i make sure that i have to do before i go on stage because if not the audience i feel like will know yeah. you know they will know if you're not in it or they'll know if it's yeah. artificial so i i try to make sure that i no matter how for time I am I'm like I gotta have this time to make sure that you know it's it's gonna be the best product for the, the audience so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> thank you that's dope um just to tag along to because that was such a good question toy um do you, you guys have to do any like historical work or historical like research or anything like that to like you know maybe assist with like your character's authenticity or anything like that I don't know what you guys did in the initial like tech, you know, mm -hmm. the initial rehearsal and meet and greet, if they mm -hmm. gave y'all a breakdown. Um, I missed they that. Did. They did. Yeah. I missed that. But I mean, my mom was born in 57. Mm. So I'm really close to, I'm really close to my mom. My mom, she was like a part of like NAACP stuff and like marching out of schools and stuff about, they wanted one of her uh, teachers to cut their Afro. And like, it was like, mm. a whole. I'm from Mississippi. So, oh, okay. you know, <laughs> okay. so, yeah. so, you know what I'm saying? So I've had a lot of stories uh, passed down to me from my mom, my grandma. And I feel like as far as my personal research, I really pulled from my mom and the women in my family, the women in my family led my family. You know, we didn't, unfortunately, like, like, you know, a lot of families, we didn't have a lot of strong black male figures. Um, as far as the matriarchs of our family, I was raised by women, seven girls. My grandma had seven girls. You know, she was the head of our family. So, you know, that's who I pulled from me personally, the, the real, um, not just reading about um, black women in that time, but really experience, experiencing them and listening to the lessons that they taught me and trying to embody that. Um, of course, I did my research, you know, as far as looking at actors who played it before and watching the performance, but that's what really helped me form who I feel like Motormouth is, um, is pulling from my, my, the black women in my family, you know? So yeah, 
<laughs> yep. What about you? Yeah, to piggyback <laughs> off that, agreed. Um, I think we have a, such a beautiful luxury of having people that could actually give us firsthand ex experience about the 60s and can tell us from their point of view how Black people would react to certain things. So, you know, because those things do play a big role in this show where, you know, I'll be in a scene, I'm thinking, hmm, like if I was, if I was me, how would I, but I'm like in the 60s, they weren't so aware or they weren't so, they, they didn't have as much progression. So certain things being said, they wouldn't, they may not react in a, in a negative way or like a conscious way. They may just, it may just be how things were and they were just like, okay. Um, so yeah, I, again, I, I pulled from my grandma. I've asked my grandma questions. Yeah. I've asked my grandpa and, and, I, and I love that they're still here with me because I'm able to, because a lot of people don't have that, um, that resource. So I definitely pull from that. Um, I, I also have done research because Seaweed does a lot of, it's a lot of choreography and dancing. And I try so hard to make sure that the dancing is within the time, you know, the time frame. So I definitely look up, I've looked up the cakewalk and the twist. And like, I, I've gone on Google and looked up 60s moves to make sure mm -hmm. that it's, it's as authentic as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes you see, you'll hear the crowd like laughing because they, they, I guess, you know, have seen it and they're like, oh they yeah, remember they remember it. it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I try to make sure that like, I'm doing as much. And I'm, to, to this day, I still, before shows, I'm like, hmm, what new dance can we throw in there today? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking and, and trying to make it as fresh as possible. So yeah, I definitely, definitely pull from my family and, you know, and then also being a black man, a young black man, it's like, I, I pull from myself too. You know, mm -hmm. I, there's some, some things that I have to really look at myself and say, well, what Jamonte, how would you feel about that? Yeah. You know, how would, cause you and seaweed, you know, you guys have similar minds, you know, something simple as the protests or, you know, it's like, how would you feel if you saw a cop in 1962? You know, like- you saw a cop now. If you saw a cop now, you know? So it's just <laughs> like, I, I definitely, I pull from myself. I pull from my family. I, I research. So yeah, that's how I, yeah. you know, try to make it as, as authentic as possible, at least, you know? Right, I love that. I think that authenticity is absolutely what draws the audience in. And as influencers, we know that because- that's pretty much the reason why people follow us because we are our authentic selves. So my next question to you is how is how are your cast members responding to this some of this language that probably has you taken aback and then you take a moment to kind of get yourself together to recognize, you know, this isn't quote unquote real right now. So how are they responding? I will say that um at the beginning of the process we had a really good um everyone was very hyper aware of the sensitivity of the content, right? Mm -hmm. So we would make sure that we sat down and we had conversations and we asked how things made each other feel. And I think that that was really helpful because we do use a lot of words in this show that can be, if you, if you aren't aware of what you're doing and the, the reality of it, you can get wrapped up in it and you can get emotional and you, you know, you're human. So mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important that we have these check-in moments on stage as well. Like for example, Tracy, there's a moment and I know where I've been where Tracy checks in, you know, that's her moment where she's, she checks in with me because that's the only real moment that we actually have in the show that we can actually take a moment and, and look at each other and, and see how we're feeling that day. And, mm -hmm. and just something simple as that is, is important. And, it, and it's a beautiful thing because 
she knows that, you know, every day we have to tell this story and it can be very hard sometimes, you know, because the day could be a, it could be a bad day, you know, for us, or something could have happened in real life that kind of, you know, triggers can be easily triggered because of the content. So it's Mm -hmm. like for her to check in, it it really does take your (laughs) real life and make sure that everything's good there. You know, and she's, and I feel like she's checking in with seaweed, but she's also checking in with Jamonte, mm-hmm. you know, so just little moments like that. I definitely feel that there's a lot of those moments on stage, actually, because it, it moves so fast that really, and, and because the council kids and the record shop kids are kind of separated until, you know, further along in the story, it gives, it makes it hard sometimes for us to check in because we're rarely on stage together. So anytime that we're on stage together, we try to make sure that like, we're like, Hey, yeah, <laughs> like, how are you feeling? How's everything? You know, we really are a family, you know, and we really do at the end of the day, want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and feel like they're being heard and seen and right. understand the role that you're playing in the show and how much it, the story affects you. It affects everyone, but right. you know, how much it affects. I would say, just because that's just how it's written, you know. Um, I was, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, how, I'm trying to weigh my words. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm trying to weigh my words. I would say that um, sometimes the, uh, the importance, the importance, importance of how seaweed influences the outcome of the story um, can be lost. So I had that conversation with our lead. And she even recognized, and she was like, well, this is the reason why I put this emphasis on this line is because I know that. And the way that it is written, she can't, nobody can change how it was written, but you have to take the responsibility of an actor to be like, okay, so this is written like this, well, I'm gonna do it like this, or I'm gonna say it this way, or I'm gonna uh, show, uh, make this choice physically to give the credit that's due. And I think um, from those personal conversations that we have had, um, like in the dressing rooms and stuff like that with other actors, we know what it is, if that makes sense, you know? <laughs> so, And if they didn't, they do by the end of the time. Like, we, we're we very vocal, so, yeah. <laughs> you I know. Love, I, I, love, I love all of it, and that's, and that's why I ask, because I recognize that it kind of has to be hard, probably on both parts, but I'm glad yes. to hear that, you know, you guys are advocating and have no problem oh, using yeah, your voice oh, yes. to be said. Oh, so, yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How are you guys able to, you know, you're checking in on the stage. What are some of the things that you're doing? Because you guys are touring. How are you guys taking care of your self-care even with the whole touring process? Meaning, you know, uh-huh. your personal everyday lives and how are you navigating that space? Well, this is my second one. So I learned a lot of lessons from the first one. And I think that um, what I found has helped me personally, I have to separate myself. You know, it, it is easier because I room alone, but anytime you can find time to go off, get an Uber, get a lift, go get a massage, go get something to eat because you're, you're at work, but you live at work. So there is never any turnoff time. So it, there are certain things that you're, that you, you're going to go through because you're a human. Um, I hate to say it, but you can't go through it you know, because you always with people all the time. (laughs) So you have to find that time, like, okay, I'm having a moment, let me separate myself so I can be completely myself, you know, because you're, 
you're at work, so you're always being watched. That's just a part of the game, you know? You have to always be on. Um, that's our industry. So to stay sane and to um, always find the silver lining and, and to have a good time, I suggest for anybody who's, who is touring, find time, like, okay, today I'm going to separate myself from my roommate. I'm going to separate myself from the cast. I'm going to go get a massage. I'm going to go to the mall by myself. I'm going to go, or or with this one person that I really feel comfortable with, and we're going to go off. We're just going to sneak off and have some, some us time, you know? Um, that's what I personally do. Um, I find, like I said, find little things that I love to do, and I'm gone. I see y'all at call time. <laughs> <laughs> same as same as to piggyback off Sandy, it really is about balance, you know, yeah. because we are full time. If we're not performing, sometimes we're rehearsing, you know, and and so it's just we're we find ourselves to be. I I, I said to my mom, I said I'm a workaholic now. Mom. For real. <laughs> like I, I I guess classified as workaholic because I'm always working oh, and so okay. and I love it but I'm just saying like it does there has to be balance yeah so everything that Sandy said is absolutely correct like you have to find those moments even if it's simply hanging out with like for example little Inez in the show I I'll, I'm always with her which makes our relationship on stage so real and it makes that brother sister bond so authentic because we're always together and we always make sure that we're like, we're going to go do this. We're going to go, we're going to do this. Even if we're just hanging out, we're like, we're going to watch a movie. Yeah. We're going to watch a show. We're going to do something normal. Cause really it, you do on tour, you lose a lot of reality, real, reality and you normal do. life and real life. It, yeah. it becomes very like the show. You're in a bubble. You're in a bubble. In a bubble. Yeah. So that's, so your life is the bubble. So you like certain things are heightened. Yep. And then when you step out of it, you really think about it. You're like, Oh, that wasn't even a big deal, but yeah. but to you because you because you're, <laughs> you're living, living in it, it. yeah. Because you know it's your your whole life. So I I yeah to enjoy it fully, you gotta balance. balance. You gotta have but that's anything in life. You gotta have a balance. So yeah. Were there any surprises like with your character or anything that you were learning? Was there anything that like emerged from your experiences that like? kind of either took you aback or like made you go whoa in any way one thing that I will say with seaweed is I didn't expect I knew the role that he played in the show and the story but I think being in it I realized how important it is for him to be complete like committed on stage from the time that he walks on to the time that he leaves because everything from his blocking to his choreography it means something and you know it reflects on another character or you know so I think I didn't expect that because I I don't know if you guys know but I was originally ensemble so I got to see the show from a different angle yeah. for a while so you know you see see you see the other characters but like you, it, there's nothing like being in their shoes so I was able to really step back when I when I took on the role I was like oh so he this this moment is it means this and if he doesn't if he doesn't connect with this moment then this doesn't make sense or if he doesn't for the blocking if he doesn't walk over here and, and bring Penny to blah 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 or it doesn't then this moment doesn't make sense further down the line so it's just it's a lot of things that I realized about the character where I'm like okay he has to be it's very important for him to tell the story at all times you know, he can't disconnect. He can't mm -hmm. go on autopilot. There's no autopilot. There's no disconnect with a lot of these characters because something will be lost if, if you go on autopilot. 
Mm. So yeah. And it won't be, it won't be the same every night. You know, sometimes it'll be a lot more vulnerable or, you know, just little, little nuances will be different, you know? So yeah, I definitely learned that about seaweed. Hmm, I would say with Motormouth, <laughs> I really had to just take in who she is. Like, I was like, okay, she, no husband is ever mentioned. So I was like, okay, so she might be a single mom. She has this big blonde wig on, on this all white show. And she's like, I'm big, blonde, and beautiful. So she's like, listen, I can show y'all this. I can be whatever I want to be, you know? I could be this, I could be that. And guess what? Y'all can give me this one day. I'm going to cut up, you know? So it's, I I just, over time, I had to really take in like the weight that she carries being a pioneer for those children. She's, she's a light and she's a role model for all the record shop kids. That's a lot, you know, that's a lot of pressure as a woman as a black woman at that time, like everybody's watching you on this TV show. So I think, um, I know for me, I have to process that before I get on stage each night because it's not only to me, that is not only important. It's not only important that I give the energy and give the availability that's due for my, my castmates, but for the audience too, because she's a vital piece to the story. So I have to like put myself in that space because they're on, first of all, I don't go on stage until like almost an hour into the show. <laughs> so they're like hyped up and I'm like, okay, girl, like <laughs> this is where they are in the store. This is who you are. Okay, let's do this, you know, to be able to convey what I feel like it is, is my responsibility to convey every night. So, yeah. And we're almost yeah. out of time. So any last minute thoughts you want to share? Any Anything you didn't get to talk about? <laughs> Anything y'all want to ask? <laughs> I have a really quick. Well, this is not really quick, but um, so this is the 20th anniversary show. What do you hope people take away? And why do you think this show is relevant like right now? It's um, it depends on which way you look at it. You know what I'm saying? As as far as why it's relevant right now. Um, it's relevant right now to me for one reason, if you want to pick like a I shouldn't say superficial, but like a surface reason because good music never dies, you know, and the music, the music in the show is, is crazy. You know, fashion never dies. You know, the show is really fashionable, you know, so um, I think um, inclusion mm -hmm. is something we should never forget. Um, some of the things that um, the Black people in the story are, are going through, we're still going through it now. So, you know, that's still, unfortunately, it's still in discussion, you know, so that's something that's in the forefront we should always think about. Um, and I pray that theater never dies. So, you know, listen, so we're, we're here doing what we love to do, you know, so, yeah. What about you? Everything Sandy said, <laughs> and I would say definitely optimism, because I know from, from the character that I play, I, he has a lot of optimism. And he is, a, a, I feel like, a bridge for, you know, the record shop kids and the company. He brings everyone together and, and every, every side is, like, brought together. Um, so I, I, unity, I think we can look at this story and really 
see like towards by the end i don't want to give it away but by the end you, you know, know i already have it but, <laughs> by the end you know it's it really does show that like everyone can come together and, and coexist and have fun and and smile and have that joy and mm -hmm. i think together that, together and i think that that's very important right now mm -hmm. <laughs> because there's so much going on in the world yes and so much opposition and this show has, has a lot of opposition. You see it from the beginning. You, you see the opposition, you see the separation, but by the end, you see that unity. And I think that if people really, if you don't take anything else from this story, take away those elements, optimism and unity. Yes. And inclusion, like you said. Mm -hmm. We all can live in harmony together. Yes. No matter what your race, body size, sexual orientation, mm -hmm. belief, whatever we mm -hmm. all can be together mm -hmm. and love one another because we're all human we all need the same things we all want to be careful we all want to be loved we all want to be heard so yep yeah i love that i love that and that's one of the reasons why i absolutely love this show um i was so excited to see it live on tv and i cannot wait to see it when it hits philadelphia thank you guys yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you so much thank you guys thank you thank I'm so you. excited. <laughs>wasn't that a good interview that was sandy lee who plays motormouth maybell and jamonte bruton who plays seaweed stubs um just phenomenal i got to actually witness them both on stage um opening night and it was just such a phenomenal such a phenomenal show um uh, miss sandy lee that voice, not to say that Jamate, it was a phenomenal, just oh, the, every move that person makes, just phenomenal. But Sandy Lee opened her mouth and sung Heaven Down. I don't even remember the song, the name of the song, but it was one song right before the end, um, right before the end of the show. And she, and I had seen it right like maybe a few days after um, after what happened in Buffalo. And it's this song about, you know, I believe, you know, we're going to make it. And, you know, it taps into the, it's just, oh, it was just, I, I, I'm, I'm babbling. But you, you get the point. Like, it's, it was just a, such a beautiful song, such a beautiful show. If you guys have a chance to see it, I encourage you to do so. Um, thank you to Mika and Latoy for chatting it up with me. Like just such wonderful women. And I just appreciate you guys being present and shout out to Hannah for organizing all of that for us. Now, um, more of what you came to hear. Let's get into this wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end. This one goes out to anyone. This wrap up rant rather goes out to anyone who decides that they're going to make Juneteenth stuff and not be connected to or led by or created by black folk. So you may have noticed on social media <laughs> that there has been a little bit of a swell in a, in a attention around Juneteenth. I noticed that it's been it's been on my top timeline. It's been in my trending feed for a few days now, but I, I, I wasn't paying attention as to why. Well, a day or two ago, I finally did. And I see why I was like, oh, this is what's going on. So apparently 
Walmart has decided that, you know, just because Juneteenth has become a holiday as of last year, of an official federally recognized holiday, that it was going to um, cash in on those good Juneteenth coins and came up with a slew of merchandise, including Juneteenth ice cream, Juneteenth red velvet ice cream. Now y'all on the internet already know that when black Twitter gets a hold of something, they get a hold of something. And somebody said, we said reparations, not red velvet. I was screaming. I was screaming. This is a reminder that Juneteenth is a celebration of the liberation of enslaved and human trafficked people. Um, during the time of, of of slavery here in the United States. Um, it celebrates one of the last groups to get to know that the slaves were free, um, being liberated, and coming back and celebrating that liberation. Um, so it's a very black, black-ass holiday. Very black. Very, very black. I don't know how... People got really confused as to why Juneteenth is black. It's literally black folks celebrating our liberation. It's literally the descendants at this point of black folks celebrating our liberation. And, you know, you may get invited to a little cookout or something like that. But please keep in mind, you as an individual, unless you are a black person, are not celebrating Juneteenth. You were coming to a Juneteenth celebration. Do you catch the difference? Do you catch it? It's like, let me explain. So, in the same way that if I was invited to an Indian wedding, I'm not suddenly an Indian person celebrating that wedding. You know, I have, I'm invited to participate in this particular instance. And then if, you know, I can, I can get the henna and I can wear a sari or the what what um, vestment is appropriate. Um, I can I can do all of the things um, because I've been invited to do this thing and invited to participate. But I, when I leave that wedding, am no longer in just invited to all things Indian. You get what I'm saying? Um, there are people online right now arguing with black folk. People who are not black folk are arguing with black folk and saying that Juneteenth is not a black thing when Juneteenth was literally created as a celebration by people, uh, not even people of color, fuck that, by black people, (laughs) by black people, for black people to celebrate. So yeah, you may be invited to the cookout and you can have a little... You know, you can get a little pie, you can have you a little drink, you can have you a little plate. But you were invited to a Juneteenth celebration. Like, this doesn't include you. This doesn't center you. And if that's uncomfortable, I want you to deal with why you're uncomfortable not being centered. Because as I've said before, y'all, y'all, certain, I won't say y'all, because y'all who are listening are not this y'all who I'm referring to. So I won't say y'all. But certain folk confuse not being centered with being oppressed. And there is a huge difference. But when you are excluded from something um, that 
you should be allowed to be in, you know, like a job, a school, you know, a hospital. That's oppression when you're excluded from things like that. When you are decentered, it means that the attention is no longer on you. So your face is on the money. Your history is the one we've learned about for the most part. You are the hero of all of these stories, allegedly, allegedly. But when you come over here, we aren't focused on you. We are focused on us. We are focused on something else. And so many people need to stop confusing being decentered, being removed from center, because here you are not, you are not the star here. It'd be like if it's somebody's birthday, it's somebody's birthday and you want to come and talk all about you and make it into your party. This ain't your birthday. This ain't your birthday. This ain't your birthday. This ain't your celebration. So, so many of us, not us, so many people have to stop confusing being decentered with being oppressed. You're not oppressed. It's just not about you today. <laughs> and you're so used to it being about you that when it's not about you, it feels like oppression. It's not. So stop arguing with black people about what Juneteenth is. Sit down and listen. Open up your purse and contribute. And let us have nice things. Okay? But in true capitalist form, uh, back to Walmart. Walmart has decided that they are going to make Juneteenth merch. Um, some of the merch said, I saw, was it a koozie? Was it a beer koozie? that said, it's the Juneteenth for me. When I say we can't have nice things, I mean it. And I want to put out a grievance that I am so tired of constantly changing our slang because once it gets into mainstream popular culture, it is instantly not cool, not acceptable and not us because mainstream culture takes our slang, bastardizes it and then makes it make not it just doesn't make sense. Like I forget which big fashion publication posted this on their Twitter. I forget which one it is, but when I remember, ooh, my wrath, um, because I've meant to comment. Um, when one of these stars, one of these white male stars was on the red carpet at the Met Gala and the tweet was something to the effect of, it's giving taking off his coat when the man was literally taking off his coat. And we're like, no, that's not how, that's not how, that's not how that phrase works. So it's kind of like that. Like, mm -mm. no. Mm -mm. So with the Walmart, I think the thing that was most egregious about the Walmart red velvet ice cream situation is that there is an actual black owned ice cream company that if Walmart were anything like, I don't know, Target and I'm not saying Target gets everything right, but this one thing, Target has gotten right numerous times. Where Target is like, we don't want to make a watered-down version of what a black creator makes. So we're going to go and partner with that black creator. Get them on board. Get them to come into our store and sell their stuff and promote their stuff with our Target label on it. Collaboration, not, not competition. It's a smart business move. It's a savvy business move. It makes people who have already felt like corporations 
don't care about us. And believe me, they don't. They don't. But it puts us in our feels, you know, when we see that you, you're trying to do the right thing, even though we know you don't care about us. We know. We know the truth. But <laughs> it puts us in our feels. Um, there is, and I guess this, well, not I guess, I know that this is the Black-owned business of the week. Um, Creamalicious has an ice cream that is red velvet flavored. It already exists. And no, no Juneteenth print colors random brown hands doing high fives on the on the carton um apparently creamalicious also makes a pecan pie flavored ice cream which sounds delectable but i peeped that walmart also has bitten off of that as well by having a pecan flavored pie version of their own ice cream but creamalicious Creamalicious ice creams is actually run by Chef Liz Rogers. She's the founder, uh, president, and executive chef. Um, so it's a black-owned ice cream company. I believe you can find it at Target. Ha ha! I just brought them up. Um, and so y'all show y'all love to Creamalicious ice creams. I have put the link directly to them in my bio. Um, yeah, not not bio. Jesus, but the link directly to them. <laughs> If you don't know that I'm recording when it's very, very late and I'm very, very sleepy um, after chasing an 18 month old all around, um, please know that that is the thing. But yes, um, yeah, y'all go buy, go support Cream Malicious. Do not buy anything. Do not under any circumstance, do not under any circumstance, do not under any circumstance purchase anything Juneteenth if you are not certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was either created, produced, or is being sold and promoted by black people. Don't do it. Simply don't. If you can't name or place a black face in the, in the space, don't buy it. And I didn't mean to drop bars on you, but bars. Um, in those tweets this week, ah, this is not exactly a business to support, but this is a thread where, that I will also link in the show notes. Um, and this thread comes from Jay Coley, 716, and it says, These black-led community organizations in Buffalo could really use your support after the anti-black white supremacist mass shooting that took place May 14th. And there's a thread. So I have that thread linked. Um, and I just wanted to share that with you guys if you guys want to show your support. So let's get to blacks in the deep end. If you haven't seen Black Men Frolicking, go to my Instagram. I have created a compilation um, and it brings me joy. I randomly just go back and watch it. I randomly go to hashtag Black Men Frolicking on TikTok and it brings me immense, immense joy. It is literally just black men out and about in the sunshine, in grass, frolicking. And just being good and black about it. And what I mean when I say good and black is just <laughs> you can just hear how we like. You can hear our mannerisms. You can hear our colloquialisms. <laughs> it's just so good. And it's so happy and free. And I just enjoy it. Um, so I want to shout out Jordan Holman of Jordan 
uh, journals. I'm at Jordan journals on Twitter. She said, I walked into Macy's earlier this year and saw a display of dresses in pink and green, red and white and blue and white. The retailer confirmed that it was part of a strategy to cater to more black sororities. And now it's a $10 million business. So Bloomberg reported that Macy's is pivoting to service and cater to black sororities. I was like, wow, that's really, really interesting that they intentionally chose black sorority life. Like, I don't think we've talked about it, but um, I believe Ralph Lauren recently dropped an HBCU line. And if you know anything about Ralph Lauren, um, it kind of harps on Americana, like think circa fifties, sixties feel, um, that's sort of feel and age and stuff like that. And they, before you think this is a Walmart situation, that's not because they partnered with a black designer, um, and they partnered with two black HBCUs, um, Spellman and Morehouse, and the photos are stunning. Stunning. I'm like, when is this collection available? I didn't go to either school, but I want to be a part. And no, I don't dress like a 50s or 60s anything, but I want to be a part of this. Like, holy smokes, what am I looking at? It's beautiful. Um, maybe I'll post it on my um, Instagram if you guys can't find it. it um, the collab- Their collaboration came out some time ago. But it's just beautiful. Um, And I know some people had some problems with it, but like every problem people had was it felt like minor. I'm like the major problem I would have had is that they didn't use a black designer. It's like you want to do an HBCU collab, pick a black designer, pick a black designer to assist. And they sure did. And it did not disappoint. Somebody called it civil rights era uh, chic or something like that. And I'm like, y'all, come on. Y'all just... It's okay not to like something. I need us to get free around this. It's okay to not like something and not make it problematic because you don't like it. It's okay to say, you know what? That's not my cup of tea. I don't like it. I don't like that pattern. I don't like that song. I don't like that hairdo. I don't like. It's okay to not like something and not try to make it into a problematic thing because you're not secure in you're not liking it. You saying you don't like it. That's enough. That's enough. You know, it's not my, that's not my cup of tea. And that's enough. That's enough. It's okay. You're not, you're allowed to not like something. Now you can't be mad if other people like it because you don't like it. Like, what do you have a vendetta against this thing? No, it's okay. Like there's a lot of things that I don't like that if I find out someone else likes, I'm like, all right, that's, that's your zhuzh. That's your thing. Like a lot of y'all like to eat onions in your food. That's not my business. I'm not here to yuck your yum. I'm just saying me personally, I'm picking them out. It's just. It's just a personal thing. So it's okay to not like something. It's okay. I want us to get free. Um, But yes, so Macy's seems to be falling in that same realm of catering to underserved populations that spend a lot of money in black sororities. Yes, absolutely. Um, So this uh, next story comes from, or this last story comes from, uh, because of them we can, you know, I love that website. And this is not an ad, but y'all should go over there and support. Um, so apparently a limited series 
based on Toni Morrison's Sula novel, is in development at HBC, uh, HBCU. Do you see me, y'all? I just finished talking about HBCUs. <laughs> HBO, <laughs> according to Deadline. Sula is a limited series slated at HBC, HBO. Jesus, I'm going to bed after this. I'm sorry. I'm recording this very, very late. Um, Sula is a limited series slated at HBO from writer Shannon M. Houston, who wrote Lovecraft Country, one of the writers on Lovecraft Country, and Stephanie Elaine, um, who was on Dear White People. Um, their collaborations called Homegrown Pictures. Houston previously worked as a pop culture writer and TV and film critic. She sold a pilot to Amazon that kicked off her work on several popular shows, including uh, Little Fires Everywhere and Station Eleven. Now she's partnering with Homegrown, a production company dedicated to creating content about women and people of color to bring Sula to life. So if you haven't read Sula, Toni Morrison Sula, go ahead and grab the book. I'm sure you can find it in a lot of different places. It's a classic. Um, or you can do what I do. Um, if you don't have the time to go to perusing bookstores or you don't have the money because books are expensive, head to Libby. This is not an ad. I told you all how much I love Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. Um, and Libby acts like a little library. And you put in your library card and you just take books out. And I take tons of audio books out. I'm reading books every month while working, while cleaning, um, while playing on my Switch. That's my business. While writing, all that type of stuff like that. So, yeah, Libby app. Thank me later. And that is this week's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for your likes, your shares, and your subscribes. Thank you guys so, so much for all of your support i want to give a massive huge shout out to our brand new as of today in fact patron ashley melina diaz thank you so much for coming along and um i feel like i already shouted out margie but if just in case i didn't hey margie sea monster <laughs> thank you for being <laughs> thank you for being a friend thank you for being a patron as well um if you guys want to join uh, the coolest, dopest group of patrons um, and get exclusive uh, access to exclusive content, you too can join at Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Whitney Elise. Um, and you can choose your level of support. You gain access to a ton of content and you get my thanks because you're not just supporting this here show but you're supporting a blog you're supporting all the writing you're supporting all the content on social and you're supporting a tiny family who is very very grateful so thank y'all so much for that um i'm trying to think if there's any other announcements mm, nope i think we talked about everything i mean that's not everything but there's there's always more stuff to talk about but that's it for this week um if you need more Reclaimed in your life, head on over to Twitter um, or Instagram. You can find me at The Reclaimed um, or on TikTok as The Woke Mama. And that's it. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um, stay well. Eat well. Sleep well. And as always, peace, y'all.